Are you a troublemaker or a peacemaker? Consider that with us next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Welcome to Abounding Grace, the radio ministry of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. We're about to focus in on some beautiful words delivered by Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers. In the world as we know it today, tensions and divisions are growing. People are angry, suspicious, and hurt. But in the midst of it all, we're to stand out as peacemakers, not troublemakers. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to introduce our message. Take your Bibles, open them to three places if you'd like. John chapter 14 is where we'll start. Then we'll go to Romans chapter 5. And then finally we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. So John 14 and we'll be in Romans 5. And then we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. And the title of my message today is Are You a Troublemaker or a Peacemaker? Are you a troublemaker or a peacemaker? Now, a couple months ago, I stumbled upon a Bible study from a friend of mine, Pastor Tim Brown. He pastors at Calvary Chapel up in Northern California, and he was teaching on the topic of being a peacemaker. And I watched it, and it was so powerful that I then took it into our staff meeting. We put it up on the screen, and we watched it together as a staff. And it stirred up so many ideas in my heart and my mind, which, by the way, is why I choose to take notes when I listen to Bible studies, because I, everything gets stor- stirred up. But if I don't write it down, there's a good chance I'm going to forget it. So I started jotting it down, and I felt like as I was praying that God wanted me to deliver a similar message. So I emailed him, and I asked him if I could use some of his, some of his message that we listened to and develop a Bible study around it. And of course, he allowed me to do that. And so this weekend... As we launch into another unknown year, another year uh, really not understanding how it's going to turn out, what's going to happen, I believe the Lord has a word for us, and that word is peace. Peace, that we walk in not only with the peace of God, but we also walk into this new year as peacemakers. Notice what Jesus says in John chapter 14. I draw your attention there to verse 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. As we enter into a new year, we receive the gift of the peace of God. As born again believers, we have received the the sum and substance of the peace of God in our lives. Jesus says, I'm going to give it to you. All you need to do is receive it and enjoy it, and live in it. So notice with me now in Romans chapter 5, as born-again believers, peace is one of the gifts we receive from the Lord. Paul, when he's writing to the church in Rome, he says, therefore, having been justified, this is chapter 5, verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have 
peace with God. So Jesus says, you will have, and now Paul says, we do have. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'm reminded again, Paul would write to the Philippians and he'd say, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Having that settled peace is something that only a true born again believer can experience. To, to know that everything's crashing in around us and all the chaos is happening to us, all, all the drama and difficulty that might be in the world today, that might be in our families today, that might be in our church today, we can face it. Even in an unknown year, we can face it with the peace of God. We have peace, and then the Lord would have us to move forward as peacemakers. I love this because when Paul says we have peace with God, he's basically declaring that the war is over. The war with God is over. The Bible describes those apart from God as being at enmity with God. Like there is an animosity between those that are unbelievers and God. You remember back in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, God created a perfect environment and then created two perfect human beings. And up until the moment that they sinned, they had a beautiful existence with God, a sweet fellowship that not even you and I have experienced yet because they experienced it without sin. They experienced a purity of relationship that was amazing. But of course, they made a decision to rebel. And they lost that sweet fellowship, or as we're learning in the book of Acts, that koinonia with God. So much so that they lived under such condemnation and shame that they tried to run away from God and hide themselves in their separation. They, they actually recognized that now their lives are against a holy and a righteous God because they no longer were holy or righteous. But by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. If you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can circle that word peace, and along with it, it has the idea of binding together, binding together that which was separated. There's a picture of facing God, where you, when, you, when peace is binding together, and that word with has the idea of proximity and relationship. When you're with somebody, you're close to them, and being close to them, you're often face to face. And so you have this peace now with God facing him. You could say you can look God in the eye and know that by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are at peace with God. But there's also another type of peace that we get to enjoy. It's not just the peace with God, but we also get to enjoy the peace of God. That settled contentment that I can trust God with my life. That is ours by faith. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we now have the peace of God. Now it's true, I don't always enjoy the peace of God. You know, those of you that are worriers or those of you that, that are easily troubled, you too have your peace of God attacked from time to time. But you've got to come back to that place of faith. It's kind of like the love of God. We always have the love of God, but as we learned previously, we need to learn to keep ourselves in the love of God where we can enjoy it. And I think peace is the same way. We always have the peace of God. It's ours by faith, but we need to make that effort to keep ourselves in a place where we enjoy the peace of God, no matter what's happening around us. 
There are things that just come into our lives that are peace robbers and joy stealers. But by faith, we are people of peace. Which leads us to Matthew chapter 5, which is the bulk of our time today. And that is, as people of peace, we are to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. And there is a big difference between the two. We are to be peacemakers. The place of blessing is being a peacemaker. The, the place of constant turmoil is being a troublemaker. And draw your attention in verse 1 in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, it says, seeing the multitudes went up on a mountain. When he was seated, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Then he comes to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Never before has the world needed peacemakers like today. Now, I'm not saying that other times in history, peacemakers weren't needed because Jesus is teaching this in the very beginning of his ministry, reminding in the first century that there's a blessing to peacemaker. But I'm speaking to our generation. I'm speaking to those of us that are alive now. Those of us were born for this moment in time. Never before has we've seen the necessity of being a peacemaker than now. That the church would be the church walking into very difficult situations with the goal and the motive of being under the blessing of God. And that blessing is being a peacemaker. Why? Because, I mean, look around. We see the damage all around us just in the last few years. And the damage that's been done just in the last few years has been built upon generation after generation turning their backs on God. And it's not just in our country. It's a worldwide phenomenon rebellion and resistance against the things of God. But for us personally, I mean, think about the things you've endured in the last couple of years. Of course, there's the medical pandemic with a real virus that has done real damage to many lives. There's partisan politics surrounding all of that. There's an intensity of racial divides and discrimination. There's tensions like never before. And on and on the list could go. In the storm, in the wake of the storms of the last couple years, there's an uneasiness. There is an imbalance. I mean, think about it. Right when you think things are getting back to some kind of normal. Remember, we've been learning all these years. Don't look for normal. Don't look for normal. Look for the Lord. Because you'll be highly disappointed because whatever normal is, is going to change from, from time to time. So instead, we're going to keep our eyes on the Lord. We're going to look to Him. We've been learning that. Um, very much. You know, we've been emphasizing that very much now the last few years. But just when you think things are going to stabilize, the rug gets pulled out from under you, and some new thing happens, some new challenge happens, both in a global but also on a personal level. The damage is all around us. And I want you to consider, let's break it down a little bit, I want you to consider a few of the things that you and I have lived with 
and lived through and perhaps are living with even now just in the last couple years. Number one, this increase of division. Have you ever seen a time that's been more divided than now? I mean, the division is unbelievable. Divisions in churches, divisions of churches against churches, divisions with pastors, divisions in families. I mean, you think about it, we've just got through the holidays, and how many had difficult conversations at the Thanksgiving table? How many had difficult conversations at the, how many have got mad? How many, I mean, it has been, like, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable, the division that we've been experiencing. It's like nothing I've ever seen in the entirety of my life and my walk with the Lord. Number two, there's an increase of broken trust. Broken trust. Think about how hesitant we are to trust people now. We're not sure if anybody's telling us the truth anymore. The the institutions we used to look to can't be looked to anymore. And, And the information we receive, we're not sure. Then even when we go to check it out, we're not sure if that's sure. And we're not sure about it. And we're just like, who do we trust anymore? And we're just learning to live that way, which is isolating, making people independent, and more divisive. Thirdly, we see all these shattered relationships. Isolation's increased, separation, loneliness. People are just writing people off now. Or as we see in our culture, there's a whole new phrase, the cancel culture. That's happening, has been happening, but we're seeing it much more. Where you're just not willing to dialogue anymore. Not willing to learn how to disagree agreeably. Not learning how to lovingly care for one another. It's not new, but it's certainly increasing. Add to that, fourthly, this level of anger and angst that doesn't seem to go away. So many people angry and upset and expressing it. And there's, there's a lot of different things adding to it, but I want you to consider just how angry you've been lately. And even if you haven't allowed it to come out like with this big, you know, outburst of wrath, how you've been keeping it in and keeping it in, and you're like on a hair trigger, you are right on the edge. So many people living on the edge today and just the wrong time in the wrong situation, and it's explosive. And I know a lot of believers go, well, you know, Ed, the Bible says I can be angry and not sin. Yeah, but bro, you passed that a long time ago. Like that you have, you are way beyond what, G, what Paul was referring to there. That righteous anger, it's not righteous anymore. You're just angry about everything. Add to that, number five, the hurt and the trauma. Just everyday life. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have been diagnosed with cancer. Some of you lost your jobs. Some of you, the separation has been family members, so that cuts deep. And you know, injuries and hurt and trauma, they don't heal so quickly. You carry a lot of this trauma all the way into heaven. And just beaten and battered and challenging and difficult. Then you add to that, sixthly, we see so much suspicion now. Suspicion where it's not that you just don't know who to trust anymore. Suspicion's more sinister. And that's really divisive because when I'm suspicious of you, I automatically think the worst about you. I don't give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't know what you're up to and how you want to take advantage of me. And you can see how that damages the psyche and the soul of a human being. How it deeply, deeply hurts people. And so what does Jesus give to us? He gives us the seventh beatitude. The seventh beatitude for us as believers that have the peace of God. That enjoy peace with God, the peace of God. He says, okay now, 
there is a blessing for you being a peacemaker. Now take that peace and go help other people find the same peace. Be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Now, peacemaking just doesn't happen all by itself. It's within the context of these behaviors. We've studied this in depth in our study in Matthew, but for the sake of our time today, understand the progression of the position and the posture of a peacemaker. It starts out with recognizing your poverty, your spiritual poverty, recognizing who God is and who you are. And then secondly, it then leads to your mourning. Like, like you have an emotional response to the pain and the hurt of this world. You have emotional response to your own poverty, your own distance from God. Like you're realizing what a great gift of salvation God has given to you. Then you are, respond with a meekness. Or as we read in the, in the psalm today, a broken heart, a contrite spirit. You live in humility. Meekness is not weakness. It's the same word that's used to describe Moses back in Numbers of his humility. It's also the same word to use to describe Jesus in his ministry of humility. It's power under control. It's holding back when you know you can, but you choose to submit yourself to the cross, to the, to the Lord in humility. And then he says, now, what are you really hungry for? Well, what are you really thirsty for? And he says, you're going to be blessed when you're hungry and thirsty for right things, for the righteousness of God. When you apply Matthew 6.33, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. Then you have that merciful heart. Mercy is super powerful, and it's a wonderful attribute to have. To help you understand the definition of mercy, I want to give you three words, because you've got to remember these, all these three words together. The words judgment, mercy, and grace. Those three words will help you understand. You need to understand all three of them, not only in relationship to your God, but also to others. When you learn how to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you have to understand these three words. So judgment, by definition, is getting exactly what you deserve. When you receive judgment, like, for example, if you've been convicted for a crime and you're standing for the judge for sentencing, he is going to hand down the judgment, you will get what you deserve. That's why nobody standing before a judge says, give me what I deserve. Instead, what do they say? We want mercy. Show me mercy. Well, why would you ask for mercy? Well, if judgment is getting what you deserve, mercy is not getting what you deserve. So if they reduce the sentence or put you on probation or something, you don't get what you deserve. You're guilty, but you've been treated with mercy. Think about what mercy would look like in a world that's broken, in a world that's difficult, with the people you disagree with, when you don't give them what they deserve. Why? Because the third word, grace. Judgment is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. What is grace? Receiving what you don't deserve. Receiving what you don't deserve. That's why grace is so valuable. The forgiveness of our sins, the removal of shame and guilt. Why? Not because of our good works, but because of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. You are a blessed man and a blessed woman when you're merciful. He says not only that, when you're merciful, you also receive mercy. It's a sweeter world when we're not all going around trying to give each other what everyone deserves, but rather showing mercy. Then notice he says in verse 8 that there's a blessedness to purity of heart. I mean, by the time you get here, you're just in a place of, Lord, whatever you have for me, I love you. 
I so appreciate you. I, I know the world's chaotic and out of control, but I'm abiding in you. And you've given me a steady place of power and peace, and which leads you to the blessing of being a peacemaker. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message is framed around the question, are you a troublemaker or a peacemaker? And maybe it struck a chord with you. To hear it again or to share it with someone, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or visit the Calvary Church app. Pastor Ed, I just love this message about being a peacemaker. As we close, I was wondering if you could share a couple of examples of what that might look like in today's culture. Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, the feedback from this Bible study has been the most that we've received in such a long time. And I just know that you're, God's going to use it via radio as well. But it was so good for our church, timely. I think it's one of those messages that I'll travel with because it, it just speaks to the reality of where we're at. And to be a peacemaker in our culture, let me say it from a couple of negatives or or what to avoid. You know, as I was going through that list, remember that the need to um, be careful not to be so negative about everything. Like peacemakers, as Chuck Swindoll said, you know, get in the middle and help bring people together. They don't make things worse. And taking extreme positions, uh, we want to avoid taking extreme positions as we keep our eyes on the Lord. Uh, and as my friend Tim Brown was sharing, there were, you know, if we start thinking of people, and it just begins that way, doesn't it? Thinking of people as idiots or morons. I mean, how, how is that possible? How could we possibly love someone when that's our view of them? And it's such a demeaning place where we have elevated ourselves over and above them. You know, if our main goal is just to win arguments, then we're not going to be able to be peacemakers. If we perpetuate problems, I mean, again, uh, I remember asking the church here, I said, before you post on social media, just ask yourself, am I being a troublemaker or a peacemaker? And quite frankly, if we have to ask ourselves that question prior to posting, then we probably shouldn't post it. Like, why ask it? We know if we're being peacemakers or not. Uh, shunning people. Uh, I know that the phrase cancel culture is a popular one now, but just cutting people out, eliminate, not not willing to have them in our lives, not wanting anything to do with them, or the popular phrase, not in my backyard. I mean, what do you mean not in your backyard? Um, what, what has happened to us, church? What has happened to us? What are some examples of being a peacemaker? Listening, listening empathetically understanding where a person's coming from before we answer. Um, I, what was it? I think I first heard this from Jay Vernon McGee. You know, we have two ears and one mouth. The ratio of listening to speaking, super important. Wanting to find common ground in the cross and not in a cause. Understanding that people will disagree and valuing their viewpoint, even when we don't agree with it. I mean, we could go on and on. This is such a, if we will just pray and ask God to use us, He will use us, and we will be more of a peacemaker. We won't perpetuate. We'll forgive. We'll walk in humility and brokenness. And I, please, those of you listening in, uh, you know, please receive the word of the Lord. Please receive the word of the Lord, and let's be the church. The world's going to be the world, always and forever. 
Let you, let's you and I choose to be the church in our giftings, in our calling, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our where we work. Let's be the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Here in the month of February, we've picked out an excellent book written by Catherine McDougall titled Ebenezer Stones. You'll see how just an ordinary stone can remind you of our extraordinary God. As you read Ebenezer Stones, you'll be taken on a journey through the many ways that God is faithful in our lives, from bringing us into a relationship with Him to changing us from the inside out, providing for and guiding us and protecting us, too. Read all about it in Ebenezer Stones, and we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. You can also make your request at calvaryco.store on the web. Again, that's calvaryco.store. If you'd rather not have the book but still want to make a donation, that can be done rather easily at aboundinggraceradio.com. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 